Father, it's with joy that we come here this morning to be together with you and to be together with your people. Thank you for bringing us from all the different places to gather together to give glory to you. Father, we just pray that you would speak something this morning that is so relevant to each one of us. Speak right into our hearts. Speak to places that we're a little afraid to let you go. But this morning, we're taking our hands off. We're allowing you the freedom to go where you want to go. Father, we trust you. We love you. We appreciate all that you've done in our lives, and we know that you would never leave us nor forsake us, and you will take us forward as we continue to walk with you. Grant us surrender to you this morning. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Thanksgiving. I see we don't have a lot of turkey lovers. I'm going to have my turkey dinner tomorrow. Let the tryptophan coma begin. <laughs> For those of you who have no idea what that is, you have to eat turkey, and then we can talk. Um, uh, for those of you who've been with us for a while, we've been uh, uh, going through the book of Genesis, looking at the key characters in this book. This, uh, and just recently, we've been looking at the life of Joseph. We're going to continue that this morning. Um, the, uh, the title of the message this morning is Breaking the Cycle. Breaking the cycle. Okay, let's have a little confession to begin with. How many of you love chocolate? Come on, really? Some of you, some of you probably sneak it in the closet or something, right? And you don't want to put your hand up because somebody else is going to find out and then it'd be like, busted. Well, that's my favorite chocolate on the screen there. Cadbury's chocolate, maybe it's because I'm, I come from England and that's what I grew up with. I'm not sure. But anyway, that's my favorite chocolate. I, I have been um, known to sneak a piece of chocolate or two a day. And so my wife would probably say, try more. Um, and you know, it's an interesting thing when we, when we you know, start on these kind of patterns in our life. Um, how many of you are aware that dark chocolate is good for you? See, it usually is the same people who love chocolate, right? It's like, that's the reason I love chocolate. But you notice it's dark chocolate? Anyway, I checked out on the Mayo Clinic a little bit earlier in the week, and actually dark chocolate decreases your blood pressure just a little bit. And especially for those who have issues, <laughs> no, it doesn't mean you have to eat more to lower more. And it also improves the blood flow in your liver. Wow. So it's pretty good. But my question to us this morning is, you all know what happens when you eat too much chocolate, and especially as you get older, you eat a lot of chocolate and you have this amazing chocolate high. But we all know what's coming, right? It's this terrible chocolate low. And so maybe, maybe you look like this at work. And maybe it's time, just saying, to think about making a change. If you keep it up, you're going to keep going through this cycle over and over and over again. And if you're like me, it's a tough thing to give up chocolate, but you may have to. Here's another one that I think we, um, we all, can, well, most of us have trouble with. How many love coffee? 
Really? Wow. Maybe I should say tea. Tea, okay, tea or coffee. Caffeinated beverages. There you go. You know, we kind of run into the same thing there. You know, studies are showing now that, uh, and this blows my mind because I'm not a coffee drinker. I used to be. Uh, It blows my mind, but research is showing that up to six cups of coffee a day is okay. I'm like, wow, (laughs) six cups of coffee a day. I I would be bouncing off the walls. I, I sometimes wonder about some of these studies, but anyway, they're, they're saying, they're, yeah, I wonder who was sponsoring them. It was probably like Folgers or someone like that, Maxwell House. Okay, apparently studies are showing that it, it, it protects, and I don't know to what degree, against type 2 diabetes, Parkinson's, cardio diseases, and liver cancer. You know, again, whether they do or not, that will, time will tell, but Here's what I know for me, and maybe it was the same for you. Coffee speeds up my heart. So I'm sitting there trying to concentrate. I'm thinking, what is that thing pounding in my chest? And you realize it's just the coffee that I had a little bit earlier. And so again, if I'm in this cycle of daily having this coffee, I have to ask myself, Do I want my life to continue in this way, or am I willing to break the cycle? Of course, you know what it's like coming off coffee, right? It's going to be painful at one point in time. But here's here's the thing. In order to make progress in your life, don't you have to make these kind of decisions? Don't you have to say, you know, I can't keep this cycle up. I can't keep this behavior up. I can't keep this lifestyle up. It's not working for me. I love it but I can't keep it up. And so to make progress in our lives, we've got to be willing to break the cycles that are in our life. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're not talking about chocolate. We're not talking about coffee. We're not talking about anything else that, you know, those kind of things. We're going to, we're going to look, first of all, we're going to look at Joseph's life. We're going to see what he helped his brothers through. And then we're going to bring it more personally to ourselves. So let's begin. We're in chapter 43 of of Genesis. And if you've got your Bibles, you want to open to your Bible, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. I've got some verses for you on 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 the screen. I'm not going to go through all of them. So Judah and his brothers take Benjamin to Egypt. If you bring up the verses for me. Now the famine, for those of you not familiar, there was a famine going on all over that area. Now the famine was severe in the land and when they had eaten the grain that they had bought from Egypt, their father, that's Jacob, said to them, go again, buy a little food. Judah said to his dad, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we'll go down and we'll buy more food. But if you will not send him, we're not going to go down. It doesn't make sense because the man, which, is, which was Joseph in Egypt, told us we need to bring him with us. Go ahead. Judah said to, his, to Israel, his father, send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be the pledge of his safety. I promise you. I'm making a promise to you, dad. 
I'm going to be the pledge for his safety. From my hand you shall require him if I do not bring him back to you and set him before you. Then let me bear the blame forever. And I don't want to say too much on this, but you can see Jacob's reluctance to give up his youngest son, Benjamin. As far as, as, far as Jacob is concerned, I've already lost Joseph. I'm not going to lose Benjamin. And so he takes it until all the food runs out, and eventually he allows Benjamin to go. And he takes Judah at his word. Let me go on to the next section because we see now that Joseph is about to begin this test on his brothers over lunch, over lunchtime meal. Goes this way when Joseph came home, they bowed to him, that's his brothers, to the ground. And he inquired about the welfare of their father. Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke. Is he still alive? They said, your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. He lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother. And he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. And controlling himself... He said, serve the food. So they're all about to sit down. They sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. You may be wondering, why are they so amazed? Joseph was the one who put them in the order. Joseph was the one who said, okay, you sit here. And he went down according to their age. And they're looking at one another thinking, what's going on here? Portions were taken to, uh, taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. What an awesome story. Joseph is going to test his brothers at this lunchtime meal. And, and it's too obvious that Joseph is favoring Benjamin by giving him five times as much as the rest of his brothers. What's the test here? What's the test that's going on here? Actually, it's very simple. If we back this up 22 years, there was somebody in that family who was being favored. Do you remember his name? His name is Joseph, the man who's now putting them in this situation. And how was he favored? He was given a multicolored coat by his dad. And do you remember the reaction that his brothers had? They literally hated him. Chapter 37 would even tell us this. They couldn't even speak to him peacefully. You know how bad it is when you can't even have a word with somebody? That's pretty bad. And it says... As the chapter progresses, they hated him even more because of the dreams that he had and he told them. And when they saw him coming to them while they were taking care of the sheep, their idea was, let's kill him. Joseph had been favorited, 
had been shown favoritism by their father Jacob. It wasn't his fault. He was just shown favoritism. Now Joseph, 22 years later, is going to ask them, I'm going to put you in the same situation. How will you do? This is not a test to see them stumble. I I believe Joseph knew something was happening because of what had happened. Remember what Dell covered last week? When they came for their first visit to Egypt, already their conscience was being awakened. So there was something of a breaking of a cycle already. And so Joseph, in this chapter, 22 years later, he's finding out, how will you respond when I put five times your portion in front of... That's Chinese food, by the way. (laughs) I couldn't find a picture (laughs) of anybody who would give five times as much, but I saw, okay, let's see what I can find. So you know that's not a lazy Susan, right? So it's just like... This is probably a typical restaurant in, in Toronto somewhere. Just enjoy, don't worry. Okay, so Joseph sets up this situation and he's trying to help his brothers to see will you continue in the same cycle? Will you continue with the same behavior? Or will you break the cycle? Does it end here? Or does it continue? And if you're careful, you notice that what it says is they, in verse 37, sorry, verse 34, it says, they sat at the table with Joseph, with Benjamin. Benjamin gets five times more. They drank and were merry with him. We're seeing progress here. The cycle might be broken. Might be broken. Let's go on to chapter 44 because there's another test coming. Joseph tests his brother with a silver cup. Let me read a few of these verses for you. We don't have the time to go through them all. Verses 1, 2, and 12 go this way. This is, this is the scheme that Joseph sets up. Then he commanded his steward of his house, fill the men's sacks with food, which is exactly what they came for, as much as they can carry, put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup the silver cup in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. His brothers leave. They're on their way home. The servant runs after them, rides after them, catches up with them and said, how dare you be so... How dare you... Pay my master with such evil. And they're like, what are you talking about? He said, somebody from among you has stolen his silver cup. And they're like, no way. We're not that kind of men. The servant searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Now you have a test. What will you do? How will you now respond? How will you respond to the fact that your youngest brother, the brother whom you know, if he does not go back to dad, things are not going to be good at home. How will you respond? Verse 13 goes this way. They tore their clothes, which 
For those of us who don't know, that just means they were really upset. And every man loaded his donkey and they returned to the city. You see what's happening here? There's a breaking of the cycle. They actually cared for Benjamin. What they didn't do is just let Benjamin go. It wasn't like they said, oh, you know what? Tough for you, Benjamin. We're heading back home. We got all of the food and everything else. They didn't do that. Something has changed in these men. In chapter 37, I want to remind you again. In chapter 37, they sold Joseph into slavery. They had no issue whatsoever selling Joseph into slavery. You know how callous and how hard-hearted his brothers were when they sold him into slavery? Just picture this. Joseph is in a dried-up well. They're sitting around eating a meal. And while they're eating the meal, according to chapter 42... We're not going to go there, but according to chapter 42, they remembered what what it was like being around that well, eating their food. And it says, Joseph begged us. Joseph pleaded with us. Don't let this happen to me. Don't do what you're planning to do. Mind you, this is the selling was a lot better than what it was before because they were going to kill him. That's how hard-hearted his brothers were. In fact, that's how much they hated him because of the favoritism. So now the roles are reversed. Or Actually, we've come forward 22 years, and it's kind of like revisiting the same thing. The favoritism was shown at the meal. They responded well. Now they have an opportunity again. Joseph's going to give them another opportunity What will you do if your brother has to go in slavery? Will you continue the same behavior as he had before? And and we know that they didn't do that. In fact, what we know is that they all went down with Benjamin to see Joseph one more time. And And I love this next section because it really unearths for us the real progress that is occurring in this man named Judah. I want to remind you, Judah is the man who wanted to sell Joseph into slavery in the first place. Judah is now the man who is standing before his dad and saying, Dad, it's on me. I promise you. I promise you I'm going to bring that boy back. Look what happens in chapter 44. I mean, if you could go to verse 14 for me. Judah said, What shall we say, my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, look at this. We are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. And so right away you see, no, they won't continue in the same behavior. Now Joseph says, look, take us all. Take us all. Look at this next one. Look at the concern he now has for his dad. Now, therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as my life is bound up, sorry, as his life is bound up 
in the boy's life. As soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he's going to die. In other words, look at Judah's heart. There's been a definite change in this man's heart. His behavior is not the same. Remember back to chapter 37. They had this massive scheme, right? This ingenious scheme. You know what we'll do? We'll, we'll slaughter a goat. We'll tear Joseph's coat. We'll put blood all over it. We'll take it back to our dad. What kind of concern is that for your dad? It's not. This is real concern. The cycle is being broken. One last thing in verse 33. Judah says this. Take me in this place. It's awesome. What a growth. What a progress we've seen in this man Judah. And it's not just Judah. I think Judah represents what's going on in the rest of his brothers. I want to finish off this morning by talking to us all about breaking cycles. We have cycles in our life. I'm not talking about coffee. I'm not talking about chocolate. I'm talking about cycles in our lives, in every area of our lives that may need to be broken. Things that can't continue to go on in the same way. Otherwise, we're not going to make progress. God wants every one of us to make progress. He's not about us just going through this same thing over and over and over again. That's not what God is after. Let me show you a verse because some people would say, oh, don't worry. You know how this morning we sang about amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Some people misunderstood that thought and Paul addressed it in the book of Romans. Look at what he says uh, here at the beginning of chapter 6. He asked this question, what shall we say then, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul has made this amazing case in the previous chapters talking about how grace is amazing. Grace can do uh, incredible things when it comes to us. His point is, no, you shouldn't just continue to sin that grace may abound. We're going to skip forward to verse 4 and he says, we were buried therefore with him in baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, look at this, we too might walk in newness of life. So let me ask you, what is God's grace for? God's grace is for us to live a new life. God's grace is not for us to continue in that same old life that we had. In fact, if you look at the verses I've taken out of here, that's what came to an end. Grace is to move us forward. Grace is to propel us forward progressively. One more verse from Romans I think is helpful for us because it gives us some purpose and some goal. Look at what he says in chapter 8. For those whom he foreknew, this is God, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you recognize that that's the goal for you? To be conformed to the image of his son. To be more and more like Jesus. Progressively, progressively be more and more like Jesus. Not spin your wheels. I think I have a picture of a truck. That's not the Christian life. That's not where we are. The Christian life is progressive. Grace is coming to help us to move 
forward. But sometimes, let's admit it, we get stuck. We do get stuck. One of the things that we see, let me just back it up for just a second to Joseph's brother's progress. Their conscience was convicted. Their sin was confessed. Their, they experienced forgiveness. And they lived differently. I mean, if you could bring up that screen for me. There we go. In Joseph's brothers, their conscience was convicted. Their sin was confessed. They experienced forgiveness. And they lived differently. Here's a key point for this morning. Forgiveness is for progress. Forgiveness is not so I can say, phew, and I can do the same thing again. We're not in that kind of a life. Forgiveness is for progress. Here's a cycle we get in. I offend. I repent. I'm forgiven. I re-offend. And it goes on. And on. And on. And, and we're not. It's like an endless cycle. Let me give you a couple of examples how it might go. At home. In our homes. Parents to children. We may have a cycle of anger or abuse. Brothers and sisters, if you're a parent, those kinds of things that are going on in your heart, they need grace to bring you out. And you might say, well, wait a second, Ian, that's how my parents treated me and I turned out okay. But you're a repeat offender. We need grace. We need grace to help us to progress and to break that kind of cycle. Let's flip it the other way because it's not just parents to children. Sometimes it's children to parents. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, I, I'm irresponsible or I just always want my way. That cycle has to break. And the only way that that cycle is going to break is through grace. Let me take it, let me stay, let me kind of stay at home because let me talk about husband and wife, spouse relationships. Give you an experience that I had a number of years ago and fortunately, my wife helped me to break this cycle. I believe it was quite gracious on her part the way she did it. Sorry, I haven't checked with her if I can give you this testimony. I think she has the grace. Um, when I was newer to Facebook, um, I got this friend from many, many years ago when I lived in South Africa. She was a very good, very good friend. Our families, her family, uh, sorry, our families were very, very close. Uh, her and I, you know, we had one of those girlfriend-boyfriend relationships, which really didn't mean anything. It was just, it was what it was. Anyway, um, and she found me on Facebook, and she wanted to be my friend. Of course, I say, yeah, why not? I'll, I'll be your friend. 
And, uh, you know, I was chit-chatting. And first of all, it's just, uh, how you doing? How, you know, I knew she had been through a divorce and I just wanted to check in with her, how she was doing, how her heart was, and, you know, how the kids were doing. And then afterwards, you know, it started talking about our parents and things like that. And eventually Deb found out that I was talking to this woman on Facebook and Deb said, I want you to unfriend her. I was like, what? But think about it, what that could have progressed into. See, we're, we're, a lot of times we're very naive and we're very innocent at the outset of things. I was so glad that she did what she did. I was so glad that she said, Ian, you got you to gotta stop it. And I think we had a few words back and forth, not going to lie. But I took her advice. And I'm glad that I did it. You know, there are more cases of infidelity today because of social media. There are all kinds of emotional affairs going on. All kinds of them. And, 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 and look, the, the wife might not even know what the guy's doing. He might be just texting his buddy. But he also may be texting that colleague at work. And if that's your situation, brothers and sisters, that cycle has to end. That is not healthy. You need grace to come and help you to break that cycle. You can't keep that kind of a cycle up. You have to bring it to an end. Men... Be careful. Women, be careful. Things are not as they might seem. Let me uh, just mention a few other things. At work, it might be a cycle of talking about your co-workers. Everybody has a word to say about the boss. And you're in there and you kind of like it. Will that cycle keep going? Because sooner or later, if they don't know it already, they're going to find out you're a Christian. Then how do you backpedal on that thing? So the best thing is, take the grace that God is giving you now, and the grace comes like this. When you, when you see that huddle forming, when you see that group of co-workers forming, go get a coffee. You feel it in your heart, it's like, Okay, God, I need the grace to get away from here and do something. Go back to your desk. Do, do whatever you need to do. Don't get yourself in that kind of a situation. Your situation at work also could be your attitude, your poor attitude, or you're just letting down people. How long will those cycles continue? How about at school? I almost don't need to say anything, right? <laughs> For those of you not watching at home, just, just look up a Google image of cheating. You know, we sometimes are caught in situations like this where we didn't do enough studying and we're counting on somebody else. That, you don't want to get in that cycle. As a believer, you want to live righteously before mankind. You need grace to be able to do that. If you're just relying on yourself, this kind of behavior will continue and it won't end well because what, end, what may start in high school eventually is going to move on into university and you do not want it to happen there because that may just not work well for you. You won't be there long. At church, we have the same situation as well where cycles begin 
where there's, you know, I don't quite get along with this other person that I'm serving with. Sorry, I just, I just picked a ministry, a music ministry picture. I'm, I have nothing in my heart. I don't know anything that's going on. So I'm not trying to point fingers. I'm just saying as we serve at church, this can happen too. Words, thoughts, things like this. Brothers and sisters, we need grace to move through these things. So I would end by saying this. By grace, we are forgiven. Amen? Amen. By grace, we must progress. Amen? You have to rely on God for that grace. Break the cycles. Break the cycles in your life. I don't know what they are for you. I don't pretend to know, but I am going to give you one minute. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin a kind of a conversation between you and God where he has the liberty this morning to point his finger, to graciously touch areas in your heart, in your mind, your emotions, your will, where he can touch things in your environment to help you to see what needs to be broken. Some of these are deadly, destructive cycles. Some of them are, of course, much more mild. Allow him the liberty to touch this morning. By grace, we are forgiven. By grace, we must progress. Don't cheat yourself this morning and say, I think I'm okay. Let him do what he does very well. Let him touch the different areas in your life, your living situation, your working situation, your relationships. Father, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Your word is always so clear, spoken and written so many thousands of years ago and yet so relevant to us today. Thank you. Thank you for visiting us this morning. Thank you for speaking into each one of our hearts. We pray that your grace would be sufficient. In fact, we know your grace is sufficient to help us to break any destructive or other kind of cycles in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are done. We will be starting AM classes. Please come. We've got a couple of new classes starting. I know, Nigel, you just finished today, right? Nigel finished his Old Testament class. He's actually walked through book by book every one of the Old Testament books. Well done, sir. <laughs> For those of you who were... What's that? You made it. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who were here and blessed by it, um, Nigel will continue now with a study of the life of Jesus mainly taking the, uh, the book of Mark as a kind of a backbone, but using some of the other Gospels to fill in as well. Shortly, and not starting next week, once the apologetics class is finished, we will begin a class which we have done before and a series that we did right here called The Essentials. If you're new among us, if you're brand new to the Christian faith, if you're wondering about this whole Christian thing, that's the class for you. Dell and a few other brothers will be carrying that class at 10 a.m. So please come and uh, get grounded in what the essentials of the Christian life are. Amen? See you all next week.